Hello, this is a um, Recovered AF podcast. Are you sure? Yeah. You almost forgot. Well, it's just, you'd think I'd be better at it by now, but uh, I'm a slow learner, I guess. So this is a Recovered AF podcast. It's a podcast. I'm part of your, um, I'm a co-host of another co-host. His name is Kyle. Before we go any further, he's going to give us a disclaimer so nobody gets confused and now then you'll be told. Perfect. Yes. So just so we are all on the same page, um, this podcast and Aaron and I ourselves are not affiliated. Uh, neither is our guest. We're not affiliated or um, spokespeople or representatives for any 12-step organizations. Those groups don't have spokespeople. If they did, maybe they would choose our guest. They definitely would not pick Aaron <laughs> or I. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we're not affiliated. So anything we talk about is just our experience. Some of it relates to 12-step stuff. Some of it doesn't. Um, but we'll just see where it goes today. And we do have a guest that I'm going to let Aaron introduce. Okay, I'll, I will. I'll introduce our guest. Um, I met our guest this summer at a, we talk about sometimes attending a conference this summer. And uh, I met our guest this summer. Uh, I was on golf cart duty and ha- had the opportunity to transport her from, uh, you know, here to there a few times throughout the conference. And uh, met her, you know, through Courtney. She's one of Courtney's friends from, I think, when Courtney first got started out, too. So I just wanted to uh, welcome Randy to the show. How are you? Great. How are you guys? Doing very good. Very good. Yeah, doing well. Nice. Little um, nice. calming down now. We were a little stressed. We were. We had some technical difficulties getting you set up. So I was a little worried we weren't going to get make it happen. But I feel good now. So I know. Yeah, yeah it all worked out. It's all happening. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, and Randy, um, you listen to the show, so you understand, you know, basically how we start this thing when we have a guest. So, um, with that, I guess I'll just start with what was your, uh, first experience or, or contact with the 12 steps? Actually, my first experience with the 12 steps was before I needed it. <laughs> um, I used to hang out at this coffee shop in Tucson, Arizona, where I'm from, originally from. And um, I was about 20, 21 at the time. Um, I had just, my mom had just passed away. She died when I was 20. And I was, I lived at this coffee shop because it was basically a sober bar. It was, you know, smoked cigarettes, drank coffee. And uh, I just spent all my time there. And there were a lot of really good looking guys there who could not date because they were in their first year of recovery. And I didn't know what that was. <laughs> you know. Um, so all I knew was that they couldn't date because they were in their first year. And I thought that was pretty lame. Um, so and then I ended up going to a meeting with a brother and sister from this coffee shop who were they were I think that it was the sister was in on papers. Okay. I think they both were. I can't remember. And so I remember going to the Solano Club with them to support them. And that was my first meeting, not for myself, but for other people. Right. Um, so you were 21 at the time. At, when you were hanging out in that sober bar, did you have what, what, <laughs> any idea that you might someday be fitting for, you know, accompanying those people to those meetings or, or qualify I... yourself? 
there's there's a line in Bill's story that I love. It's that it was something like that it was a warning he failed to heed. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom had given me a warning when I was a teenager that alcoholism ran in our family, and she had grown up with an alcoholic dad, and she had told me that she caught it in time for herself. And so I kind of knew that in the back of my mind, but I was such a goody two shoes <laughs> when ah. I was in school and growing up that I thought, nah, there's no way I'll become an alcoholic. <laughs> So yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> now, um, what what transpired that pushed you into a point where you were like, you know what, I think I I qualify, and I I should probably be here for myself. I was really my drinking kicked off when I was as soon as I was twenty one. Like I said, I was goody two shoes, so I really waited until it was legal to really get my drinking on. Like I I my first drink was when I was twelve when I raided my parents' liquor cabinet, you know. But I didn't drink every day. Um, until it was legal because I didn't want to break the law. Oh God. (laughs) Um, and I was off to the races. I mean, I was just off and running as soon as I hit 21, it was like, you know, it was boom. And then I can see the jumping off place. If I look back in my past, I was living in a house with three other girls. So I moved out, out of my dad's house. My mom was my mom was gone probably about six months to a year. And I went to a family dinner and my aunt sent me home with a bottle of wine, you know, just as you do, uh-huh. <laughs> whatever. And I had it in the fridge and I was living in this house. And one night I was like, oh, I can't sleep. Let me try having a glass of wine. And so I did and I slept. And then the next night, let me try having a glass of wine because I can't sleep. And I did and I slept. And so we had partied every single weekend. But it was that moment with that wine that I really feel like that was kind of the jumping off place. So. Okay. And then um, when, um, when you finally said, you know what, I belong here. This is oh, what I'm right. supposed to be doing. Did you immediately jump into the work? Did yes. you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> My getting sober story um, is that I feel like I was struck with a bolt of lightning at a bar. (laughs) I was at karaoke um, one night. I was with this guy, and we were probably on our sixth pitcher of beer after many songs, singing one-handed, trying to read the screen. I was so drunk, I had to cover one eye to read the screen. Um, And this thought came into my head, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, we should quit drinking and go to AA. (laughs) And he said, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And we kept drinking. And then we got a cab home. We stopped at the convenience store and got a 12-pack. He brought me a beer, which was not my brand. It was Miller Lite. I'll never forget that. My last drink was not my brand. Uh, <laughs> brought me a, a bottle of Miller Lite. It took one sip, passed out, woke up the next day. And he was like, did you still want to go to AA? I'm like, oh, I said that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and so we looked up the Alana Club schedule. This was It was a Sunday. April 24th, 2005, and uh, went to the Alano Club and went to three meetings that day. Um, Didn't say that I was an alcoholic, I think, until the second or third meeting. And I remember going home and, like, throwing out all my alcohol and hearing the bottles ringing in the empty trash can. And I just, yeah, I dove right in. I mean, I just, I didn't realize I was desperate until... I sat in those meetings that day and I heard my story, you know, I heard people in that room telling my story and I saw them, they were happy and they were hugging each other. And I just like, I want what they have, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I dove in. So you felt pretty comfortable. Cause, um, I, uh, just feel like a weirdo no matter where I'm at, you know, and like I show up and, um, I can, you know, walk into an 
a room and I like to go through each person that I meet and, and pick out why I'm different from them and why I don't belong and, um, you know, convince myself that, you know, this is not for me. And, and, and I just, um, even, even, th- you know, almost three years sober now, I, I still can feel uh, uncomfortable, you know, inside the rooms, but like Courtney had talked about it and my cousin, Amy, like, like a lot of people, you know, feel, feel at home at once and feel comfortable at once. So that's the experience that you had then. It wasn't that I was comfortable at once, and I still, to this day, you know, 14 and a half years in, like, there's days where I'm like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin right now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I remember when at my first home group, uh, I, this woman, I'd never forget this, she, she, you know, as we do, we approach newcomers, you know, and I was, she was talking to me, and she was leaning against the table, and I was just like, why is this woman talking to me? I don't know what she, like, what is she after? What does she want? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't trust anybody, um, but I think it, I think I just hit bottom, yeah. you know, I think I think it was just bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing that Kyle and I had talked about on that last episode is how our home groups work and we make ourselves available to the new person if they're looking for a sponsor. I was wondering how did you go about getting your first sponsor? Was it that woman or did you sit in the rooms and, and listen for somebody that, that made sense or, you know, spoke to your heart or how did, did somebody approach you? Like how did you, how did you end up with your first I, sponsor? I sat in the room and I went to the, I went to that same meeting with the guy that I got sober with. And he was like, you should pick her. You should pick her. Blah, blah, blah. And I remember like, I remember this one woman had a really nice pedicure on her feet. Uh, <laughs> and that attracted me. Uh, um, nobody approached me and said, I'll be your sponsor. Nobody. I just heard in the meeting, people talking about sponsors. And I think I was able to piece together. I don't remember, but I guess piece together what that meant. I ended up picking my first sponsor because I liked how she looked. <laughs> she, she looked very wholesome and very outdoorsy. And I liked what she shared in meetings. And I, so that's, I just remember asking her just based on who she was, you know? And I, I remember feeling like, I feel like I'm asking this woman out on a date. <laughs> yeah. It can be uncomfortable for sure. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you, got sober you go through the work with that sponsor i'm assuming um yes do you immediately start working with others as a result or what how what's your journey into that area um she that sponsor moved away when i was on my fourth step right not very good opportune timing Mm, (laughs) kidding. so actually that woman who rooted me out that time ended up hooking me up with her sponsor okay and so her sponsor became my sponsor, and she picked up where I was. So she picked me up on the fourth step, and awesome. she got me through all the rest of the work. Yeah. Um, I remember starting to – I don't remember if I was before 12 when I started sponsoring. Um, I, I, I remember starting – I said sponsoring was probably eight or nine months sober. Um, none of them stuck, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. They all just kind of disappeared. Um, and then life happened for me, um, big time. Um, and so I kind of, my whole way of working the program took a big, massive turn. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Can you expound on that? So 
I, when I was 13 months sober, I, I mean, I was doing the deal. I was going to meetings. I was, I had just started chairing a Tuesday night meeting, um, working the steps. I was, I was probably sponsoring by then, but like I say, I don't remember. Um, I just remember I was doing the deal. I loved my life. I loved sobriety. You know, everything was wonderful. Um, I was repairing relationships with family. I was making amends, you know, things were just really looking up. I was, I was a part of a young people's committee. We founded a, a young people's committee in Tucson. I was a, we were on, I did a, I was on the a young people's conference host committee. It was great, you know? And then I went to a young people's conference up in Northern Arizona and about the day before, uh, on my right eye, I, there was like a dark shadow up at the top of my vision and I had pain in my eye, like a migraine. And I just kind of ignored it, you know, went into the young people's convention and there was a jump, an adult jumping castle. <laughs> so I thought maybe I torn my retina. I didn't know. Anyway, long story short, um, we drove back to Tucson and we stopped at an IHOP and we were having a cigarette outside. And I looked up at the street light and I closed my right eye and the light disappeared. Mm. Or I closed my left eye. Cause my, yeah, just closed my left eye and the light disappeared. So we went to the hospital yeah. and I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Oh, at 13 months sober. Wow. And I remember screaming at the ER doctor, what the fuck did I bother getting sober for? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah. she was like, the best thing you can do for MS is to stay sober. You know? And mm -hmm. I had wanted to be a doctor when I was in college, you know? So if a doctor was telling me this, I trusted her, you know, her word was God to me. Mm -hmm. And so I called my sponsor from the hospital, you know, and told her what happened. And it was, the, it was funny because the, uh, the attending physician wanted to admit me to put me on steroid treatments. And I said, I can't do that. I, I, I'm the chair of a Tuesday night meeting. I have to go, <laughs> I have to go to the Tuesday meeting. You know, oh my God, maybe. And so he was like, well, can you come in and do outpatient? And I was like, I can agree to that. Okay. And so I just jumped headfirst into the fellowship, you know, and let the fellowship carry me through that. Hmm. You know, see that diagnosis and treat, starting treatment and dealing with side effects and doctor's appointments and not being able to work. And, can, um, yeah. Can you tell us, like, ex tell us exactly uh, a little more detailed what, what MS is and, how it affects, you know, those sufferers. MS is an autoimmune disease. So the immune system attacks the body when you have autoimmune. And with MS, the immune system attacks the myelin sheath on my nerves in my brain. So if you imagine an electrical cable, the, the myelin sheath is that rubber coating around an electrical cable. And so when the myelin sheath gets deteriorated, then the nerves can no longer fire. And so that's why my optic nerve died. My right optic nerve died wow. um, as a result of it. And they told me that the vision would come back, um, but it never did in the right eye. And then there were physical symptoms. So I was weak on the left side. It can affect your motor control. It can affect, there's, uh, it affects cognitive functioning. Um, so it's really hard to think sometimes and form sentences and words, especially when I'm really tired or, you know. Um, so it's a pretty nasty disease. Wow. Now, yeah. did you, I would assume that, I mean, how do you, how do you get through that? You know, I know, I know you mentioned relying on the fellowship and stuff. I would assume mm -hmm. there's some dark days in there though that are oh, going on. Oh, so many dark days. Yeah. So many dark days. I remember going, I, I mean, I can still picture my sponsor's couch where I did, you know, we did inventory on MS. We were actually, we worked all 12 steps on MS. Wow. Um, and I remember, 
you know, I remember sitting across from her in her house and I was just saying, I know I need to get into gratitude. I need to get into gratitude and acceptance. Like that's where I need to be because that's where sobriety is or serenity. And, and I remember her saying to me, Randy, you're trying to pile gratitude on top of a pile of bullshit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because I was trying to jump from right from problem to solution. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I was like, I didn't know that I needed to do all that work in between. And so that's when we worked all 12 steps on MS, you know, powerless over MS, but there's a power greater than myself who can restore me to sanity. And then I need to turn my will and my life and my disease, my new disease over to the care of God as I understand God, you know, and then resentful at MS. Why? Because it's messed up my life, right. <laughs> you know, affects my confidence, personal relationship, pocket, but all of it, you know, right. Um, yeah. and just working all the steps on it and going to meetings and sharing about it. And what really helps and to this day helps and doing this, sharing about it helps is helping other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had people come up to me. I heard you share from the podium that you have MS and I was just diagnosed with MS. Can we talk, you know? Right. Wow. So that's how the fellowship got me through it. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's something that I don't think we've heard on on our podcast yet, but I, I've heard it, you know, from other people is like implementing a 12-step program to other areas of their life. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I've, you know, that's such a good example of that, that mm -hmm. you can walk through and, you know, come out the other side with at least some hope and some solution. And like you said, the the unselfishness is the root of the bar solution. So to right. out there and be helpful to people again and to be useful. I mean, that's, that's powerful shit. I mean, and you know, we, it's obvious because we're all in 12 step stuff. Oh yeah. It works with alcohol and drinking and stuff, but, and, and drugs. And, but I, you know, that's just such a powerful experience to have with something else other than that. Wow. And it didn't end there. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I think that was my, my next life. question. Yeah, yeah. Aaron knows. Yeah. He saw me. <laughs> you know, MS didn't stop there. It didn't stop with one eye. It took the other one, too. Right. It took the other one two years later. And Jeez. God really has a sense of humor because it happened on my three-year sobriety anniversary. Oh, my wow. gosh. Wow. So I woke up. Well, actually, that, the week of my, my three-year sobriety anniversary, I had taken, like, I was going to take Thursday and Friday off of work just to have a nice four-day weekend, go to meetings, celebrate, you know. But that week, like, I started having weirdness in my good eye, you know. And I was like, what? You know, I went to the ER. They, they pumped me full of steroids. The vision resolved, and it was fine. But then it wasn't. Mm. <laughs> um, I woke up, I think it was Thursday or Friday morning, and I went to work. I was a phlebotomist. I worked at a doctor's office and I went to work and the eye just started to go. And so I ran home, got, went to an ophthalmologist. He looked, he's like, the optic nerve looks fine, but go to your neurologist. And so I was going to my neurologist when I freaked out and said, no, I'm going to the hospital. Yeah. And, um, the vision went in one day. Um, wow. it was as if I was turning into a zombie, everything turned gray. So my last memories of vision are we're driving through to through tucson to go to the hospital and looking at the desert scenery and just watching it gray out oh my and gosh. my boyfriend at the time was driving and i was looking at the stoplights and there were no colors it was just it was it was yeah and i went blind i woke up the next day completely blind that's got to be absolutely terrifying i would imagine it was <laughs> oh my god yeah wow yeah so what, I mean, what do you, uh, you know, that's a whole new can of worms there, obviously, <laughs> right now you're tasked with, you know, living life sober and doing this thing, but now you've got to learn a whole new way of living just to be able to 
survive. You've got to learn right. how to be a blind person at the age of yes. how, in your mid to late twenties at the time. Or I was twenty nine. Yeah. So my favorite joke about myself is, you know, the way I used to live, I never thought I'd see thirty, and then it was—I literally didn't see thirty. <laughs> oh my god! I'm glad you can have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> you have to have a sense of humor, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't do it without laughing. Yeah, you are. This is great because we just had Rhett on the other day, and he had like this infectious, positive attitude, and I'm yeah through the phone through the phone. I'm getting the same feeling from yeah. you. <laughs> Where does that come from? You're just such a happy person, despite setbacks in your in your life and your recovery. Like, what what propels you forward with such a positive, happy attitude? I ask myself that same question. Yeah. You know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I you know genetics. Does it come from my mom? Like my upbringing? Mm-hmm. I I don't. Does it come from all my work? I've done a lot of work on myself. I've done a lot of really hard inventories. Um, you know, and and a lot of praying and a lot of reliance upon God and, and expanding my spiritual life. You know, I really, I, I couldn't do it without God, you know, mm-hmm. and the whole time after I went blind, people asked me, did you lose your faith? I never once lost my faith. Wow. I never got angry at God. And I don't know how, I don't know why, hmm. you know, I don't know why I never got angry at God, but I didn't. I don't know if it's because my concept of God is so personal. I don't know. I, I really do wish I could answer you that question because there's times where I want, I want to give people what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just a culmination of everything. Yeah. I don't know. I would imagine. I did not used to be this positive. So yeah, I was going to say, know. I would imagine anyone around you, you're giving away what you have, you know, cause True. it's the same thing as Rhett or right now. It's like that personality or persona or attitude. It's, infectious it makes everyone around you feel it so i would assume I that so. yeah i would assume you're giving it away yeah yeah hmm. so, uh, people tell me that so i shouldn't even say i hope so yeah. i should say i know so absolutely because I get that all the time yeah so yeah. so what is what is the 12-step world look like for you today you know has it changed as a result of going blind is it still the same oh. thing you still attend meetings you still work with i mean it, what does it look like today for you so one thing that is really important for me that i always try and disseminate whenever i share my story or work with a newcomer or anything is that i ended up differencing myself out of a i let my blindness difference myself out of different me out of aa Mm -hmm. for seven years wow for seven years i was just like i don't need those people i don't need those meetings they're all crying over spilled milk (laughs) i went blind on my three-year surprise (laughs) oh my god you know no humility (laughs) You know, yeah. <laughs> and I left for seven years. And you know what brought me back? What's that? Fellowship of the Spirit, 2017. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So cool. I went to see I went to see Courtney because I was still living in Tucson, and she had moved to Colorado. Hmm. And she had told me about this conference, and I was like, you know what? I'll go because I just want to go hang out in the Rockies with you, and I'll just go to the conference and maybe soak up a little AA while I'm there. You know, yeah. like I had never lost God the whole seven years, but I had lost all of the things that we gained from the 12 steps, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, uh, God was just like, I got you back. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. hearing people share, I, I sobbed at the close when we all circled up and said the Lord's prayer. Huh. I stopped because I was home, you know, and by that point I was living in Bellingham, Washington, where I'm at now. And, um, I, 
immediately got into the fellowship here and immediately got a sponsor and immediately started back on the steps, you know, step one, you know, and worked, I've worked all the way through and I'm sponsoring and I, I, I my sponsor and I am on the, uh, just, just this year I joined the, I, um, I'm the alt accessibility, uh, accessibilities committee rep for my home group. Oh, cool. Um, because obviously accessibility serves people just like me. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I started, I started that this year and, um, I'm back in school. I am doing an online bachelor's degree program through Southern New Hampshire university, um, in creative writing. So wow. that's super exciting. Like my, I get it. I guess I needed to go through those seven miserable years, yeah. <laughs> you know, of being dry, um, for me to, to hit another bottom, to hit another emotional bottom and really dive headfirst back into this program, you know, and do all the things, all three sides of the triangle. Yes. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I've sworn off 12 step groups, fellowships twice <laughs> in my life. Also now I didn't yeah. fare, I didn't fare so well when I did it. <laughs> it was pretty yeah, painful, no. <laughs> but, uh, I can certainly understand that. And, uh, I, now I feel terrible about myself. I didn't really have anything to, you know. I mean, <laughs> I like to just separate myself from people and listening to whatever. You know, no, if the we way have that, the ism, yeah. we can use anything to or, separate ourselves. It yeah. doesn't have to. You know, it can be. You know, my hair's a different color. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. The ism is evil, yeah. and it wants us dead or it wants us miserable. And it got me miserable for seven years. You know, at the end of that, I wanted to kill myself. You know, so I. I mean, I called the suicide prevention hotline before I called AA, Wow. you know, yeah. um, but at least I did that and didn't, you know, didn't, didn't take, need to take this permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm -hmm. That's one thing you we've talked, we talked about more in the earlier episodes and haven't talked about lately though, is like, um, the internal condition that's driving all of this, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. outside stuff. And, and, you know, we use the term untreated and, and, uh, you know, people might not being able to understand it, but I think you pretty much just well illustrated it. You walked away from the fellowship for, for seven years. And although you never lost your, you know, your relationship with God, you sound, you know, we're not in action that whole time. And the result is, you know, seven years down the road and on the suicide hotline. So, right. you know, yeah. if we're not continually to, you know, grow in the realm of the spirit and continue to be in action, you know, that's the kind of, uh, um, outcome that awaits um drinkers of our type anyway right mm -hmm. and i wake up with untreated alcoholism every single day yeah. <laughs> yeah. i do i wake up in my head every day mm -hmm. and so i have like i don't miss it i have an extensive 11th step practice every morning um i read well i, I listen to it it's an audio version of the big book um you know 86 388 mm -hmm. every day and i might like this morning i read a portion out of a different part of the book that i needed to hear um, just based on where I'm at in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I'll read something like that. And then I read a little bit of a spiritual book and then I meditate. I do, um, I, I went and I took a class on transcendental med meditation. Okay. So I've been doing that. It's two times a day and that has just increased, it's just opened up my spiritual world. And, and what does that look like, Randy? What is like, what is the difference between transcendental meditation and what 
someone might just think of typical meditation? So I started my meditation practice a couple of years ago with the Headspace app, which I've heard some of your guests. I think you, Kyle, don't you use Headspace or one of your guests or somebody? Ma- Megan uses it. She has the okay. app and uses all the classes on it and stuff. Yeah. Right. So I did all the packs on Headspace, okay. went through all of them and it, it made a huge, huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was just like, okay, but I did all the packs and now what I kind of want to take it deeper. And I'd heard about transcendental meditation short TM for short. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked it up and I went and it's, it's, it's four days of a class with a teacher and where you learn the technique and it's mantra based. Okay. So it's not guided. And so it's 20 minutes in the morning of a mantra based meditation and then 20 minutes in the afternoon. And you just and so you're just in your mind you're thinking the mantra and you let thoughts come and go and you don't try to control them and mm-hmm. so you get to really and headspace kind of taught me that way too to just watch my thoughts yes. and that's how i really got to get to know myself so maybe that's part of my positivity i don't know yeah um your mantra is that something you you come up with yourself is it a sentence no, is it a teacher, word they give you something the teacher gives it to the students and it's a secret okay mantra so that you don't share it right it's okay. personal okay yeah cool yeah i've heard that amazing. talked about somebody else i think on rogan was talking about it and they as well would not re, you know didn't reveal their mantra and yeah i didn't understand at the time i was like mm, it's like, huh? a big deal yeah <laughs> why not i want to do that yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you need the guidance of a teacher that's cool you know and there's actually group I haven't gotten in with this in my local group. Just scheduling hasn't worked, but there's a local group here that gets, that gets together and does TM together. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. So in class, you're actually meditating with your classmates, and it's really powerful when you're doing it with other people. Huh. Oh, and Kyle, you mentioned Tara Brock. Yes. Yeah, she's part of my spiritual past too. Yeah, she's great. I uh, I love her. I, I If I do any sort of guided meditation or anything like that, she's the one I always go to. And then um, Megan has a book called radical acceptance radical acceptance yeah and so i borrowed that and then apparently megan was just telling us on the last episode she was on that there's a new one radical compassion or something coming out i have it i haven't listened to the audiobook yet okay yeah you'll have to let us know if it's good because i'll probably follow after after you give me the heads up on it so you had mentioned reading another spiritual um, book as part of your morning uh, meditation and we like to I think, you know, you find out yes. what, what, what kind of other spiritual teachings or practices or just what other, you know, uh, you know, reading uh, people like to do in general. So, like, what what sort of revs your spiritual engine as far as the literature um, or, or what else do you like to get into? I also study Stoic philosophy. Mm. Um, that it's it's a brand of it's an ancient brand of philosophy you know like marcus aurelius the roman emperor emperor marcus aurelius um seneca and epictetus are like the three main stoic philosophers and i heard about it and i looked it up and i was like my god this is the program without the steps and without like our you know our western or even our just not not our western but our like current i you know concept of a higher power as god mm-hmm. you know the philosophers called it a logos an an energy stream or energy field and i just really was drawn to that um and so i I have a daily stoic book that i I read it's like it's kind of like a daily reflections with a different stoic reading every day so i read that every day and then i have also subscribed to the daily stoic email (laughs) so i'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that i love my stoic philosophy um but i'm also reading Oh, and so, like, at one point I was reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and those are basically his journals to himself. 
but wow. they're just they're a wonderful design for living. That's interesting. I followed uh, on our Instagram page. I followed. I didn't even. I just found it. It's Stoic Reflections, I think, oh. and it's like um, each day they post a new excerpt, and it's always from like yeah Marcus Aurelius or some different uh, philosophers and. Yeah. I, the same thing, though. I was reading some of them, and I was like, wow, this shit is, like, on point. You know, it's, like, exact, it's awesome. such good spiritual lessons by people it just, thousands of and years it shows, ago. It, it shows you that our principles are ancient. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah. It was, I uh, I love it. I look forward to it every day. We get, Me too. They, they post a new one, and I read it every day, and I'm like, wow, that, there's always really good insight on that. So, yes. My my yeah. sponsor's huge into philosophy, and I just found that out about him. But he was telling me about a philosopher named Spinoza. I've never I've heard, heard of him. Heard of that? Heard, yes. I've heard that name. But he swears by him, and I I trust just about anything that man says. So if mm-hmm. if you have a chance, check him out. I'm going to do the same. Okay. So is he a Stoic philosopher or that? I do not know. I mm-hmm. I haven't even looked into it. He was just telling me about it on. Um, on Wednesday when we meet, he was telling me about it and he quoted something and I was like, of course I find something new about you again. And we meet every week and every time he's got something different to refer me to. So, but I'll uh, look into it. So he was a Dutch philosopher, a Dutch philosopher. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Google. (laughs) I just, not Aaron's mind. I just knew (laughs) that. Right, you just popped it out of your head. That's just right. Just pulled it out of there. Yeah, on our <laughs> other podcast that we listen to, they all have producers to look stuff up for them, but we exactly. have to we have to do it ourselves. We're pretty low, we're pretty low rent. Yeah. Well, that's what I like about your, your this podcast is that it's like everyday people, you know. Yeah, it's that, not all overproduced. Right, that's kind of what we like about it too. Is yeah, we've contemplated trying to make it more. Uh, professional here and there and it's like i don't know i like what aaron and i do so yeah yeah Yeah. i'm also right now i'm reading um it's the prophet by i'm gonna butcher this guy's name it's it's the prophet by khalil gibran yeah i've read i've read parts of it yeah yeah it's nice it's just a really short little book yeah um my friend jen gave it to me uh Give it to me one time, and so I had it in the bathroom. I actually, my um, uh, my first or second day of sobriety this time around, or, or for and within the first week, I was I was reading it one morning and uh, opened it up and took a picture of it and uh, sent it to her of that page, and it was something like, um, you know, whatever the thing that greets you that day, welcome and welcome then in, whether it's you know joy or fear or you know these things are all, all all welcome or something along those lines. It was I don't know super appropriate for a guy that. You know, it's just getting started down the path again, and as a you know ball of nerves and a you know wreck of a human. The call went completely electronic when you were reciting what the what the passage was from the book. Oh, (laughs) so I couldn't even make it out. That's all right. It wasn't. I can assure you, it wasn't worth repeating. (laughs) I did. I did want to ask you um, too that, uh, and this is you know unrelated to the recovery thing, but I'm I was curious with all of the. uh, up, upgrades in technology that we have experienced, you know, since the time that you lost your eyesight, is that, um, does that, does that aid you? Has that helped you in you going through your, uh, day-to-day activities, the 
technology that's available today? Because you mentioned Audible or one of those listening I, apps. I was just telling my friend yesterday, I often say, if you have to go blind, now's the time. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. Technology is incredible. Like, I have an app on my phone that can scan my mail and convert text to speech and read it to me. Wow. I live completely independently. Really? You know, wow. Except for like rides. You know, that's mm -hmm. one thing that technology hasn't done yet, although they do have self driving cars now. Yeah, so it's coming. Yeah. You get know, it pretty soon, no, girl. I do, I do everything that you guys do. That's on so my awesome. phone, on my computer. I mean, I'm in school, you know. Yeah. It's the technology is amazing. Where do you see your. Like, what do you want to do with your school degree? You want to get into writing? Are you looking to write certain type of literature? Or are you just like, what is your ambitions or goals in that area? I have always written fiction since I was a kid. It's kind of, it's, it's like a hobby. It's kind of catharsis. And then after I went blind and got my first talking computer, I was like, oh my God, I can write again, <laughs> you know, and I have plenty of time now that I don't work, <laughs> you know, so I've, I've, t I've kind of self-taught myself the art of writing fiction over the years. Um, and now I just want the formal education, you know, not like right now I'm in a history class, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just really enjoying that. I would love to publish. Um, but I don't know if I want to publish fiction so much. I'm really feeling called to write my story. You know, um, I've written memoir, my memoir before I've never, like, I don't like it. Like, so I'd have to rewrite it if I want. So I've actually, but my plan is I, I have this current work in project in progress and I'm going to Seattle, a little it's Bellevue near Seattle in April to pitch it to literary agents. Wow, that's cool. That's so awesome. Like, and it's yeah, it's such a powerful story. Like, um, uh, I don't know. I'm filled with uniqueness a lot of times, and you know, thought about myself and uh, and is my story interesting, and and would it be interesting? And then I think, well, you know, I mean, it's it's cool, and I'm glad that I'm not. Having You're boring. Live. Yeah, exactly. You're boring. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, just listening to the, uh, you know, the things that you've overcome. I mean, if there's anybody has a case for a story to get published that would help inspire others, uh, I think right. it's yours. You know, like just in that, you know, time we've been on here, it's mm -hmm. it's impressive. Well, and for the longest time I resisted. You know, I resisted. And in fact, years ago, I contacted Central or uh, GSO about, you know, the 11th tradition. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm going to publish a memoir, how do I keep my anonymity, you know? And I mean, I think that anonymity is kind of, I mean, that's a whole other topic we don't have probably have time for. But I think <laughs> yeah. in today's day and age, anonymity is kind of shifting, mm -hmm. you know, um, to get the message out, to get the word out. Um, so, and I, I used to really resist... Like, oh, you know, you don't know what you can handle until you have to handle it. Anybody would handle it the way I am, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a therapist at one point tell me, you know, when you say that to people, you're discounting how you're helping them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. And that was powerful for me. And so now I'm like, I've stepped into those shoes. I'm comfortable now stepping into those shoes. But it took, you know, 14 and a half years of sobriety to... I mean, not because I haven't been sober that long since that. How long have I been? How long have I been blind? So it's fourteen and a half minus three. Yeah. <laughs> you know that wow. I've lived blind and sober, but it, I don't know. It's it's a lot of responsibility. It, it I feel a weight, you know. Um, but it's it's also an expression of gratitude. Absolutely. For yeah. my sobriety to to accept that 
weighty responsibility and carry the message with my unique story. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that's cool is you're our first guest that we've had on here that we, I mean, Aaron met you at thoughts, but that we kind of met through the podcast. How did Mm -hmm. you, how did you hear about the podcast? First of all, and then, um, you know, what I would be curious about, and this isn't, I, I think what I'm asking is looking for constructive criticism, if there is any, because I know that you listen. So it'd be nice to have you give us some insight on things you might enjoy or if we something you might not. Um, just so, you know, I think it's interesting. We have, you're our first guest that we've met and is a pretty avid listener. So Diehard listener, yeah. yeah. I found you through Courtney. Okay. Um, before you had her on the on the podcast, she heard about the podcast. That's I don't know how she heard about it, and she texted me. She's like, "Hey, Aaron has a podcast. Who's <laughs> friend Kyle?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> you know, that's so and awesome. This was when you had quite a few episodes out, and so mm-hmm. I just worked on getting caught up. So I've listened to every single one. Um, that's so awesome. And now I'm all caught. I just enjoy it. I and you actually you got me through a rough time because so I, I had kind of a mental health little bit of a crisis in November towards mm-hmm. the end of the month and um I just couldn't I'm in fact I'm doing EMDR now because of you guys all right <laughs> that's what I was gonna ask next yeah was your, how's yeah. that going so. so during that time I was I, I was home I was I didn't feel safe to go out much and so I was just in contact with my fellow my women over the phone um and listening to your podcast and so um Constructive criticism. I I don't know. I love it all. I love the baseball talk and the <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah. Okay. Huge baseball fan. Good. Yeah. Um, football awesome. now too. I just this is my first season getting into football. Um. So I don't know. I don't have. I don't really have any criticism. You know what I want? You know. Okay. This is as a listener. Yeah. As a faithful fan. You know who I want to hear from. Who's this that? Aaron's wife. Me too. I keep poking her about it. I keep bringing it up. So I I think we're all waiting for that. She is, um, (laughs) you know, it works out, you know, uh, that we ended up together because I never shut the fuck up, (laughs) which means she's a bit of an introvert. So getting her on here might be a bit of a challenge just because she's, uh, you know, not real comfortable speaking. But uh, I'm glad you said that, though, because I think that we just need more people saying that because I think. She is, no one gets to meet her and she's awesome. She's so cool and she's, she's got her own cool story and experience. So I'm glad you brought that up because I want Amber on here so bad. I keep, I keep telling Aaron. So, and also too, just from a personal like recovery standpoint, it's, I like to hear from our family fellowship, you know? Yes, absolutely. I like to hear from our partners, you know, absolutely. like that's really good experience for me as I, you know, date or whatever. And it's just good for me to hear about other couples who have, you know, done this thing. And so hearing from people in Al-Anon or, or not even, even if they're not in Al-Anon, just partners, you're like, when your mom was on, that was great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? She, she's a riot. Yeah, she's the best. That was awesome. Yeah. So the, the unfortunate thing about our trip to Denver getting canceled is we had somebody from the Family Fellowship lined up to mm-hmm. be on the podcast that day and it didn't work out. But uh, oh. there, uh, you know, like that's one thing about that conference that we go to that we met at is that it's it's really centered around both fellowships and and. 
yes. you know, coming, f- uh, being a part of the same, you know, originating from the same place and, and, um, you know, working together with one another and not, not being separate, you know, separate, but together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and for Aaron, sure. Aaron and Amber have this cool experience that they did like a, a couple's group and I want to know more about it and how that went and stuff. And Aaron's referenced it a few times, but mm-hmm. I would like to hear Amber's perspective too. <laughs> so we're going to keep poking and hopefully she'll, she'll, I told her we could even do one with Megan, me and Aaron and Amber and just have fun with the four of us. So that'd be great. I'd love that. Yeah. I'm hoping we're going to make that happen sometime. So nice. Yeah. Man, I wasn't planning to go to that that conference this year, but now I kind of want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's on Aaron's on the committee again. So yeah, I can't nice. uh, I can't drive around in the uh, I can't drive around in the in the golf carts. I'm I'm putting up signs this year, so uh, pretty pretty simple tasks. The golf cart. Was, <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, that yeah, was good. I'm a minimal effort kind of fella, you know. Yeah, I think your cousin drove me once. Yeah, that's right, Amy. She did. Yeah, she yeah, took she took a shift on there, and yep. she's been on. And yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. She drove me once. Yeah, she's awesome too. So, all right, Randy. Well, we I don't want to cut us too short, but we do have another one lined up. But I think it would be awesome to get you back on the podcast again if you're okay. open to it. Oh, totally into it. Awesome. Maybe we'll like I th- we'll set up one where we can do like a we'll pick a topic, uh, some sort of a step or something we can all talk Ooh, about step it. exploration yeah something like that nice cool. <laughs> do, uh aaron do you have anything before we part out of here no i just want to um thank you for being on like i'd never heard your story you know i courtney had just mentioned uh, you know that you had a powerful story and you know had had gone blind on your third birthday and um you know and, and i knew that was a result of um having ms and and uh, I don't know if I just if people can't listen to this episode and find inspiration, I don't know. Yeah, there's something yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. Just, I don't want to tell you to give up, but yeah. no, just joking. Oh, you're funny. <laughs> so just thanks for thanks for being on and and thanks for listening and and just thanks for doing the deal. You know. Oh, thanks for having me on. This was so much fun. It's Absol- great to talk to you guys live. I know it's nice. You are one of our our fans that email us, which we love. So uh, thank you for that. And then um, what we'll have to do, like I said, we'll set one up. And then if you come out for thoughts, we'll have oh. to do a live one with all of us. We'll figure out a way oh, to do that. So hey, that'd be awesome. A little more incentive to come out. So <laughs> That's more incentive. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Randy. I appreciate your time. Uh, all right. Wait, thank you. Wait, wait. Yeah, go for it. We do have we, to. Yeah. Do we and have then some just, stuff? Uh, hang on for a second. Just for two seconds when we're done recording. Okay. Um, but anyway, okay. yeah, we have an email. It's uh, recoveredafpodcast at gmail.com, and we have an Instagram page. It's recoveredafpodcast. So you got it, Check dude. it out. Thanks. All right.